Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. It's Kristen again, popping in real quick, just to say that if you are starting on this episode, this is part two of my conversation with the incomparable Ron Cecil. Go back one episode to get his full backstory, where he came from, all of the crazy that has brought him to this moment. Uh, He goes into depth about his relationship with Morgan. Morgan Cecil is uh, one of the most downloaded episodes. She is episode 13 of the conversation. If you want to get to know his lovely wife and counterpart, they do work in feminine and masculine wholeness together. And it is beautiful and powerful and badass. And uh, I've, I love this conversation. This second half that we're about to jump into is more so in support of conscious men and men who are seeking to raise their vibration up level catch up with their women who are evolving and shifting and changing and becoming more and more powerful. Uh, It's going to support men in how to support the women in their lives, how to raise their daughters and their sons in order to support the rise of the divine feminine and what all of that even means. So buckle in, grab a notepad, share this one with your honey. If you are the lady listening and you want your man to have the language to have the vocabulary to have these deep conversations with you. You're in the right spot. Love y'all. And, and along my healing journey that what I realized was in, in back to Joseph Campbell the divine feminine is approached through gentleness and that's how it's done. And it sounds really simple, but it's, there are myths over and over again, where this is um, exemplified. And I'll, and I'll tell you two, uh, cause they're really easy to understand and beautiful. And one is this, and I forget the name, but there's this um, Irish myth of five brothers who are on a hunting trip and during their hunting trip, they are lost and they are hungry and they are thirsty and they've run out of water. So they send the youngest brother into the woods to find water. And he goes into the dark uncharted woods, which is our subconscious. And he is scratched and he is hurt and he's thirsty and he comes across a well and it's being guarded by an old hag. That's the word that is used. And the description of her is there's goat hair growing from her face and her joints and her body. And she has like horns growing out of her face. 
So she's beautiful. She's amazing. (laughs) And he says, woman, please give me water. And she goes, of course I will. But first I need you to give me a kiss on the cheek. And he's like, I would rather die. And she goes, well, then, then. Well, then you can. We can make that happen. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) We can make that happen, jerk. So so like any good fable, there's more suitors, you know, then the next Mm -hmm. brother, then the next brother. And finally, the oldest brother is sent. The oldest brother represents wisdom, age. There's been something, you know, there's, he's had some mileage under, under himself. And he goes, he finds her. Of course, they're all close to death at this point. And she says the same thing. I'll give you water. You've got to give me a kiss on the cheek. And he goes, woman, I will not only kiss you on the cheek, I will hug you and embrace you. Mm-hmm. And in an instant, she turns into the most beautiful thing that anyone has yeah. ever seen, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so the point of that is is the divine feminine is hidden behind whatever trauma, whatever hardship, whatever is there. And it doesn't take force to mm-hmm. come come across. It, co- it, it comes out with empathy. It comes out with listening. It comes out with acceptance. Now, the Greeks had an older story that is the opposite of that. And that's Actaeon and Diana. And Actaeon was this, this like rudy fucking rapist hunter. And he is out hunting stags with his, with his dogs and just pillaging the forest, you know? And, and the idea of hunting with dogs is just, I mean, like if we saw it today, we'd be like, holy shit, that is rowdy. That is yeah. tough. <laughs> Gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's go, so he's taking a break from this, from just, you know, being nuts. And he stumbles into a glade again through the dark forest of his subconscious you know the uncharted world and he finds diana the print the the goddess of war naked and being surrounded by her nymphs this is hot right naked sure. naked <laughs> goddesses and the god and the nymphs try to hide her and she stands up and, she, and what's going through her head at the time is do i throw a spear at him do i do I hit him with my bow? Because he's standing there and he's like, I've hit the jackpot. There's a naked goddess here. She's uncovered. I'm naked too. What's, what could possibly happen? And, and instead she uh, splashes water on his face. And the magic that she has turns him into a stag, into a deer. And he doesn't know it. And he begins to try to run and his limbs are weird. And, and, he tries to talk and he's the, the sound coming out of his voice is the wrong sound. And he tries to call out to his friends and his dogs. And then he hears his dogs coming. He's like, awesome. They're, my dogs are coming. Now he's the hunted. <laughs> now he's the hunted. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And we know the end of this story. We know yeah. that he's ripped to shreds by his dogs. And that is such a great example of when you bring this unfiltered shallow masculinity, mm-hmm trying to connect with the divine feminine it's going to backfire in some way in some way and i think that's where most of the culture is stuck with with the masculine journeys it's shallow and the only only way we know how to get our needs met or the only way we know how to do life is just through power force and to take what we feel we are entitled to and Which is ugly. a lot in the U.S. for white it's males, especially. Yeah, <laughs> you feel you, that you're entitled to a lot. <laughs> and you see it. I mean, you see it everywhere. You see it, you know, in the whole world. Is this mm-hmm. is just this 
the the shallow masculine is awful it's fucking awful and we're at a point where culture and the environment and relationships and all of it is beginning to disintegrate because there we can't unhook ourselves from the shallow masculine mm -hmm. and it takes um it takes a lot of restraint at the beginning to even begin to understand that there's a deep masculine yeah. and the deep masculine is really an integration of the deep feminine and that is when a man begins to like mike your husband he was embodying that on the sidewalk over burgers yeah because <laughs> he didn't want you he didn't address your your crying what's going on how can i fix this what's it, it was him accepting your energy right mm -hmm. creating a safe space just energetically just energetically on a on a metaphysical level with his body and his presence and that's where it begins and it's a really gentle beginning which is not what we want in a sexual experience all the polarized, time right? yeah yeah <laughs> so it and is there room of course for you know rompous sexual experience absolutely of course there is but there needs to be safety vulnerability and mm -hmm. dignity involved in those in those things so i i know that's a lot of information i just spewed at you no so that's, love that's solid that i mean that's really it's good information i do I want to break down a couple of different parts and I don't, I don't know why this came to me this morning while I was making breakfast, but it did. I, I want to address with you the narrative around if a girl is missing a father figure, she's going to mm. end up on the stripper pole. I want to talk to you about why, why that is maybe your thoughts on where that came from. What is missing? What mm. healthy, nurturing mm. powerful protective energy is missing that turns girls and women into such a turns them out into such a vulnerable space because i yeah that's i that might be a weird question no I, but that's no. just something that's like yeah. a that's a thing that's that's well known people are like oh she yeah. doesn't have a dad she, she has daddy issues this happens yeah. and she has daddy issues yeah. what is what is that girl or woman missing and desperately needing when those issues arise what is yeah. that you know richard Rohr says that when i'll, I'll paraphrase culture always wins culture wins when you're not strong enough to to fight that within your body and your mind <clears throat> and here's what culture says culture says the way through something is violence and through the shallow masculine they don't call it the shallow masculine but it's power it's fame it's money it's a violent act and when a person you know a woman in this case doesn't have the deep masculine presence in her life and most likely experiences the generational trauma of not having deep masculine in their life. I'll give you an example. My mother raised by a single mom who was raised by a single mom who was raised by a single mom. As far back as they can remember, there's abandonment and violence. Why they didn't become strippers? Mostly probably because they're fucking in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. <laughs> there were there no one, poles to strip There on. were no yeah. poles to dance on. <laughs> but, um, I think that's, I think it's because there's this idea that 
the masculine, the violent masculine will fix the situation. And in a short term, it does. They are provided for. They are able to get money. They are able to find some kind of acceptance that makes them feel like they belong, they're desired, they're wanted, they have value. Because in that space, they are goddesses. In that space, for a moment, they are revered, they are worshipped, they are doted upon. And, it, and they feel a power around that. You know, I'm not going to judge them for that experience. I'm not going to say it's bad or it's good. It just is. And I think that's, that's where we begin to see the breakdown in, in the journey of both the deep feminine and the deep masculine is it can get stuck and often does in those shallow areas because it works until it doesn't, mm. right? It's all, I, I'm sober from alcohol for the last six and a half years. And part of the reason I loved alcohol so much is because it worked. It was really, really was good. Yeah. It was really good at separating me from my pain. So when you find a solution, the stripper pole to your monetary needs, to your social needs, it's, you know, you're finding acceptance and you're finding power, you're gonna stay for a while because it's gonna serve you is, until it doesn't. And maybe that's because you're unattractive again, or uh, not again, but you know, you're not- you're You don't not feel the, seen anymore. Exactly, yeah. or you have a kid or who knows what. And, and then the emptiness and then the vacuum begins to take place. I hope, I hope I'm not, um, I hope uh, women, uh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> no, you're cool. You're cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're, what you're thinking. I, and, and I say this for my audience who are primarily, they primarily identify as female. And that's that the, this conversation is always a little tricky for people because especially in this uh, rise of the feminist, not even the rise of the feminine, but the rise of the mm, feminist, yeah. there are some expressions of feminism, which is not my variety of feminism, but there are some expressions that would consider this conversation anti-feminist, you know, mm. to talk about how sure. a woman's wholeness can be complemented or even supported by masculine wholeness. Yeah. But the, the point that I think is really important is the masculine and the feminine lives inside of all of us, no matter Absolutely. how, no matter how you orient no matter your gender chosen state of being we all have this energy inside of us and it is meant to be in harmony and so mm -hmm. you know i am a, a straight cis woman who is yeah. speaking to a straight cis man and yep. so these expressions and the words that i'm using go along that narrative but i want anyone listening to understand that the beauty and the healing and the, uh, of this complementary relationship can be applied to any partnership and any two people embodying these two different energies which belong together. I'm glad you're talking about those energies because there's there's a, a concept that goes around the deep and the the deep masculine and feminine and that's androgyny, mm -hmm. and we we tend to think of androgyny like the word erotic. Certain words get hijacked and then become something else. Mm -hmm. And androgynous, you know, we, we think of that as being sexless mm -hmm. or lacking erotic energy, but really what it means is an integration of both. Like the a seamless integration. That's yeah. exactly right. And we can mm -hmm. think of the image of the yin and yang or something like that, where they're perfectly mixed, they're perfectly balanced. And that's the journey we all, that's where we want to go. 
And it doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your orientation. You want to end up in that seamless, integrated, androgynous mm -hmm. place. And I think that's, that is for men in particular, because I, I can only speak from their journey. Most men can't even begin to understand that they need to in, incorporate the feminine energy into their life for themselves, not even to help their partners or, or, or to um, attract women or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's actually for their own journey. And it primarily with their acceptance of themselves and love for themselves. Yeah. Well, for the guys listening, so this is really important and I want to break this down for them because this episode, I think women are going to get a ton of value, but I know that the husbands and the boyfriends and everyone who has messaged me and they're like, so mm. could you speak to this part right yeah. here? What does it look like to incorporate the feminine energy into your life. I think when someone's like, says, Oh, he's in touch with his feminine side. It's yeah. like, he cries at movies sometimes, or, you know, he has no <laughs> problem picking up tampons without like turning bright red in the grocery store. But it's so much more than that to incorporate the power of feminine energy in your life as a masculine presence. What does that look like? Uh, one is it looks like you just described. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's that also. <laughs> and, but it, and, there is a, I have an eight-year-old daughter and, and she is a very smart kid and uh, very stubborn uh, because she's so smart. And also because her body isn't as strong as her big brother's or my body. And so she expresses her power through um, stubbornness, stomping her feet, crossing her arms, saying the meanest shit I've ever heard an eight-year-old say. <laughs> and, and I realized that's, that's, she's found her power through her words. And what I've also realized is that there isn't a tone of voice or, or, a, or a volume of energy, as mean as I can be, as loud as I can be, that is going to unlock that stubbornness in her. And it's only when I decide that violence and power and force are not the journey and I physically calm my voice down, I physically come to her level and begin to energetically see her and energetically allow my body to be a safe place for her that she begins to soften and we connect as a father and daughter do. So what it looks like is our go-to strategy for most of life, life is brute force. I've got the solution. I've got the hammer that's going to drive this nail through here. And it is a, it is a noticing, just begin to notice when your response, I'm talking to men, is force, mm. is violence, is power. And when, and when, you notice that, begin to question yourself. Would empathy be a better solution? Would listening be a better solution? Would acceptance be a better solution? There's a, there's a technique I, I talk about with men uh, we call holding space. And it is a difficult exercise at the beginning. And I remember going through this in my early 20s when somebody especially my ex-wife would come to me with their problems whatever it was i remember sitting in the therapy room 
and was talking about how fucking hard this was. Like, you know, my ex-wife was talking to me about her own, own childhood trauma, her own or her own gripes about our life or whatever it was. And my therapist goes, Ron, here's how we're going to practice this. I'm going to hand you a pillow. This is what she's giving you. And you're just going to hold it. And you're not going to do anything about it. And we're going to hold it here. And, and what happened to me was the tears started coming out of my own eyes and body because I realized I didn't have to have the answer. I just had to hold the space. And once I began to really work on holding space, not only for her, but for myself and others over and over, that was this gentle way, this really soft place that has profound ability to create safety for myself and for my partner and for whoever needs it. So that's, that's just start there. Notice when violence, when power, when the hammer wants to come out and hit, and then begin to ask yourself, empathy, is empathy right? Is listening right? Is acceptance right? How do I hold space for my woman right now? Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, and that's Great. really, it's really beautiful. And it actually reminded me of a really small, like real life incident that happened just last night where Mike and I got into a little tiff about something and it probably over tone of some sort mm -hmm. and I am pissed. And so I let it be known that I am pissed by taking up physical space and yeah. stomping into the kitchen and angrily, loudly washing dishes. And he comes in a couple minutes later and is like, Hey, this is what, you know, blah, 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 like explaining his side of the situation. And I spin around on him and I say, well, what you did was this. And my intention was this, and you came in and did this. And now I'm really, really mad wrong. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm sorry. And I said, whatever, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm still mad. Nice. And yeah. he says, well, first he says, don't say whatever. I'm apologizing to you. And I go up more because mm -hmm. I'm like, mm, no. So he takes the dog out. There's like a tiny pause. He takes the dog out and being the man that I married, he comes back in like 10 minutes later and I'm still washing dishes a little less angrily now. And he puts his arms around me and he kisses me on the neck and he says, I am sorry. You don't have to forgive me if you don't want to. Mm. That's, that's your, that's mm -hmm. your right. Like you can be mad at me if you want to, but I just wanted to say that I am sorry. I didn't mm. mean to say that and, mm. and, and walked off from me. And yeah. I immediately, like you guys know, I immediately, like, I'm not even mad anymore. I don't even care. Yeah. Like I literally yeah. don't care. And it ended up, you know, paying off in dividends just an, a short time Beautiful. later at bedtime. And it was, it's just that kind of, he could have stayed, he could have been mm -hmm. annoyed that I was yeah. so annoyed over this yeah. thing that he didn't mean anything by. And yet he just went outside and took a deep breath and came back inside and was like, you know what? If you want to be mad at me, that's fine. I love you. I just want you to know mm -hmm. that I am sorry. I didn't mean it that way. I super love you, but you keep on being mad at me if you want to be mad at me. And of course then I didn't want to be mad at him anymore. It's beautiful. <laughs> like that was all. That's all that had to happen. And, and I, I, yeah, but I think we get locked in these. Yeah. It's, it's the power ego. struggle. Yeah, yep. it's ego. It is. It's power struggle because I don't want to concede to his masculine, whatever. Yeah. I don't, the feminine yep. doesn't want to be dominated during a regular conversation. We do want yeah. to be dominated in the bedroom a lot of times, but not necessarily during the day. Mm -hmm. And so it's always, and it's been hard 
because one of my trauma responses is to not be dominated. Therefore, yeah. I will continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and louder and meaner and yeah. whatever until yeah. I feel like I have won the situation. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a defense mechanism that a lot of women, I mean, there's two, there's, or there's three, there's the fight, flight, freeze mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm. I fight, mm-hmm. but a lot of women will freeze, yep. and not do anything or, yeah. or they'll flee. They'll run away from yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to speak to that freezing mm-hmm. thing for a moment because it's, we see cause it's the one that's seen the least. Mm-hmm but feels the worst I feel like in some places because you can't do shit about it for, you know, as, as on the men's side and, and, and we'll talk about a few scenarios. Mm-hmm. One is in the bedroom when the man wants to have sex, the dude wants to get, get laid and the woman freezes and maybe tears come. Maybe they don't. Maybe she just lays there and lets it happen, which fish. is, which is not okay. Ladies don't do that no, shit. Don't okay. do that to yourself. Don't do that yeah. to your husband. And, and a man's got to notice when that's happening. And I think that is when a dude begins to notice that there is the freezing, that's the time to go to really check in. And, and if we could unwind that a bit, I was talking to a client yesterday that he was asking me, when do, when do I talk about this stuff? And that's such a good question. And I want everyone to hear this. Don't talk about it when you're about to have sex or trying to have sex. Right. <laughs> that is unaffected. It's no, not, not great. No. It's not going to get It's get not fixed, sexy. You know? It doesn't normally end well. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, and begin to unhook your resentment and entitlement. Dudes, I'm talking to you specifically from, from your needs. And, and then when there's neutral ground, when there is a safe spot, driving to the grocery store, walking around the park, doing the dishes, places that aren't normally sexy, sexy that, that aren't places you want to have sex or have had sex. <laughs> doing so the well, dishes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you need neutral ground. You need a neutral safe space. And then you ask permission. Is this a good time to talk about this? Can we, can we have a conversation around this? I noticed your body's not moving. Are you okay? Check in. That, that safety is just the beginning of unraveling what many women, what, and, and I also want to say men do this too. Like there's plenty of men who have that same kind of thing where they're the low desire because of the trauma in their life and all those things. So it is, it is, it starts small and it really is the opposite feeling of power, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> some vulnerable, vulnerable shit (laughs) to realize that because I mean, and you can speak to this better than I can, but the male experience, people are really hard on dudes, especially right now. And I'm not saying that everyone gets let off the hook, but I am saying that just as much as we're having these conversations around how women are the barrier to their own happiness and success because of centuries of patriarchal oppression that is, you know, in their DNA that is keeping from them from doing stuff. Men 
have been conditioned and ridiculed and punished and all, and all kinds of horrific things for not living up to or embodying this toxic masculine model yeah. that's been yeah. taught. It's a model yeah. that's been shown over and over and over. And if you don't fit into that, life isn't great for you and hasn't been yeah. great. And that's yeah. really hard too. We, we kind of forget about that side. And I had sent Morgan a, a text right when you guys announced that because you, you've been doing this work for a long time. Yeah, but yeah. for all of you listening, Ron just kind of opened up his space to mentoring men one-on-one -on -one or even in group. I'm not sure if you're doing group situations or not at the moment. Got a group coming up on the 25th. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of came out with this and, and supporting men in this direct way. And I was so excited because the rise of the feminine without the rise of the deep masculine, yeah. nothing is solved. Nothing yeah. is actually fixed because these things, in order for us to have a sustainable collective healing, we mm. need both sides. And I would really love for you do. to speak to that. Well, I was going to, thank you. Thank you so much. I think that we live, we, we're seeing the results of uh, the shallow masculine ruling for a long time. And then, and I, then we see the whole notion of women stepping into that masculine space too. And it's way easier for a woman to do that in, you know, we'll talk about in, in the workplace right now where it's way easier for women to be leaders to step up than men to be integrated leaders. Because I, and I think you were experiencing this last night. It's like you have the freedom to cross your arms, to do the dishes loudly and those things. Women now have the freedom to, to boss around in the boardroom, to, to do their thing. And unfortunately when they go, when anyone goes down that line, and this is what you're experiencing last night is it doesn't fix anything. It makes you feel good for a brief moment. You've got the power, you're fucking mad and, and you can do that. And that's, and that's what we have seen unfortunately in in culture in business and you know this is happening you can like go to you know the story about ellen right now and and all that stuff like there's this unfortunate thing that happens when someone steps into the masculine role and it gets out of hand mm -hmm. and it's easy to do it's real real easy to do because again we feel like this is the solution is this violent thing but what we've also really noticed is is you have to have this integration and the fear for men is like you were saying just now, I don't know how to do this. Where do I even start? My shallow masculinity is fucking attacked right now. It's like, it's, it's the only solution I'm being given and nobody fucking wants it. It's, and so you are stuck in the space where you don't know where to begin, where a guy really doesn't know. They, they, they can't quite, step into it without feeling judged and they don't know how to how to step into something else so men do one of two things they, or just like you they fight freeze or or run away right mm -hmm. and and so some men and i would say this is happening right now in our culture is they double down on the masculinity mm -hmm. they double down on that energy and and right now we have almost like this uber masculine culture that's beginning to rise up and and in some of that shit I participate in. I like mixed martial arts. I'm a jujitsu guy. I like motorcycles. I shoot a bow and arrow. Like, you know. I'm a man, and, raw, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not to, it's not to say you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. But you really have to notice when that power isn't serving anymore. Mm. 
and when. Go ahead. No, oh, yeah. I so this is also you're gonna have to let me know if time is. I yeah. might have to split this into two good, episodes. Yeah. Okay, sure. Cool, as long as you're okay. Um, I so I think this is something men really struggle with, especially right now in this culture. And sure. e- and even and I've heard them say it. This is the number one argument against fe- feminism all the time, mm. where it's like, oh well, you know, girls want equal, blah blah blah. Everybody wants you to be equal, but then I get shit on for like holding the door for someone, and I get because they could do it themselves, and you know yeah. all this stuff. So I think men are wanting to know how to find that line where they need to soften a lot Mm -hmm. in a lot of areas that they are not used to softening in, but understand that women, at least in my experience, women still want to be pursued and Mm -hmm. taken. I want to be put against a wall still. Like Mm -hmm. I, yes, there's other areas in which like when you show up as a father and as my partner and we're making life decisions, you know, like you, you're where you don't override me. We are equals in this situation, but I, there is a part of me and my womanhood that wants to be claimed by you still. Can you speak to men about, about that? I think people are, they're confused. I think they feel lost. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's back to that integration, integration and, and, you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't right. is the thing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And you're, you're just going to have to know that some people are just going to continue to shit on you and judge you or whatever. And, and, and most of that is just stupid voices in your head yeah. that they're not, it's not real. It's an energetic masturbation of a fantasy of a fight or a fantasy of a conflict. And maybe there was one time you did hold the door open for somebody and they gave you a bad look or something like that. That's not the rule. That's generally not. So fucking what? You know, continue, (laughs) keep being polite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I used to own a business in downtown Portland here and I was really good at welcoming people into my business. It was a retail space, small retail space in the hospitality industry. And um, when I took over that space, like our sales went out of the roof and I realized I was, I was the reason why, because I was there all the time and people wanted to come back and feel, I was, it was kind of, I was trying to be cheers, you know, like everyone knows your name. Exactly. (laughs) And this woman came in one time and she was very attractive. She had on, um, very professional looking attire, but it was like kind of buttoned up. Like the jacket was up. It was you know, we're in Portland, so we don't get a ton of sunshine, but she had big black glasses on. And I go, I love your look. Those are amazing glasses. And her response was, thanks. I wear them so men don't talk to me. <laughs> so I, like, well, I, damn. I, so, I, so I stopped talking to her and right. I, but I That's also cool. didn't, cool. you know, I didn't. Not I about thought, you. That's not about it, you. It's exactly right. And I thought, shit, something's gone on with this poor lady that, mm-hmm that this is her armor. This oh, is what's her horrible armor. is while you're describing her, I'm like, she's probably covering up bruises from being beat to shit is what it sounds like with her buttoned God, up to her I chin and dark glasses. Jeez. And that's sadly yeah, what I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. Yeah. So there, so there is, you know, there's that, mm-hmm. but here's the, here's what I want to encourage men with in particular is let your erotic energy lead you. And and not in a way that is gross and icky. Define right? erotic for men listening. Erotic, oh, great. I think it's a it's a life giving. You can feel it. Your you know your turn on happens when you see an attractive woman at the gym. When you see 
attractive woman in the car next to you or something like that. And instead of letting your like monkey mind spin out into just sex intercourse, just fucking whatever, like that happens, like allow that to begin to become a connection of safety and of presence. So that might be showing up in the world and being polite and opening doors, allowing your presence, holding space for people who don't even know they need space held. Mm. And, and that is, that looks like even at work being such a strong presence of allowing people to lose their shit and not losing your shit back. That means being in a public space and being the safest guy around and yet bringing your full masculine energy in whatever scenario it needs and allowing that, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's almost an intangible. It's almost ineffable how that energy comes out, but it can. And, and if men can feel that begin to feel that erotic energy, you feel that you men feel turn on that's, mm-hmm. that's normal. And it's easy. It's super easy. But if you can begin to almost judo that energy into mm-hmm. presence mm-hmm. which is a really fun exercise i encourage any guy listening to that is is as, if you've come from a religious culture you're trying to stuff down that erotic energy you're trying to to separate yourself from it all the time and instead welcome it what does this feel like right now what does this feel like to have this energy and to be safe in this place so that this woman feels safe so that this woman maybe feels that erotic energy back and she gives a little bit of that energy back to you. And, and that's fun. And that feels great. And that is a, a great experience of almost accepting each other in, this, in, in the world where, yeah, we feel this energy together, but it doesn't mean that something's mm-hmm. gonna happen. It doesn't mean that it's disrespectful. It doesn't mean that there's not dignity involved. Mm-hmm. When you can bring your erotic energy and retain your respectfulness, retain your your demand, and I mean that in a in a gentle way, that you the demand on yourself mm-hmm. to extend dignity to people, because we we unhook the objectification from that erotic energy. Mm, so instead huge. of yeah, it it is, and it's an interesting concept because i think that we don't no one teaches us that that's not a common way of doing life objectification is culture mm-hmm. sex sells yeah so we look for sex and we look for that object objectification what doesn't sell what's not really fun to talk about is the erotic energy of connection and of safety Mm-hmm. because you can't you can't paint a picture of it yeah. <laughs> unfortunately well, and only so i had a couple of visuals pop in for me while you were talking about this and, and if anyone's visual like i am maybe this will help you kind of put action or embodiment to the concepts that ron's talking about one of which being like feeling your energy as a guy to me mm-hmm. that looks like that guy who's able to you know, maybe you met at a party and especially for me, I've been on work trips before. And as a married person, I hold myself to a particular standard when it comes to, you know, relate just making sure that I'm respectful to yeah. my relationship and to myself and to any other uh, nuances in the yeah. room going on whenever there's someone there who is attractive. And there is, there have been times where I can recognize that someone's attractive. Part of that is the sense of 
groundedness that that person mm. creates. I'm attracted to that. Yep. And so this is the kind of person who this, if it's a, a man, this is the man who I would feel comfortable asking to walk me to my car if I feel like I'm in a shady yep. space and yep. trusting, knowing on a deep level that that, that person is safe. Yeah. You know, it's it, the attraction isn't so much like I want to sleep with this person. It's yeah. this person is very grounded and is protecting yep. my goodness also. Like I can acknowledge mm -hmm. that this person is attractive, but it's not about wanting to sleep with them. It's not about, you know, having some kind of thing happen between us. It's just an acknowledgement of of that presence like you were talking That's about. Right. Uh and then another, you know, visual that I am having is that you can be that recycling of energy. I know for me personally, especially, and maybe especially in relationship, and if you have comments to add to this, I would love to hear yeah. them. But when you've been with the same partner for seven years or for, in your case, double that, yeah. you know, and you are used to, you, you've taken yourself out of the habit of being energetically available to other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you're walking down the street one day and you're feeling yourself. And when you feel yourself, guess what? That energy, it opens up again. So I could be at the grocery store. And mm -hmm. as I'm walking by multiple men will do a slight turn to see, yeah. to see me. And that gives me a pep in my step. You guys, like yeah. it really does. They don't, Congrats. Uh, yeah, most of them are not coming up to me. They're not going to, you know, they yeah. know like there's, I also have an energetic boundary. I think mm -hmm. that keeps men. I, I normally don't get advances that I am not interested in or any inappropriate kind of attention, yeah. but they are just acknowledging my feminine energy as I move yeah. through the space. And it feels really good. I don't have to act yeah. on it. I don't have to do anything. It just feels like getting a jolt of caffeine. And I carry mm -hmm. that home into my work, into mothering my child where I'm like, it doesn't even matter that I have vomit on me. Cause I had six guys check me out today. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it kind of, it gives you this like refresh and then it also benefits me. It makes me feel like hot shit. And so when my husband comes in the door, guess what? Mm. Me feeling yeah. like hot shit translates to our collective hot shit later yeah. on. So yeah. that's like a way that I harness my erotic energy that has nothing to do with me actually engaging with the person that, that triggered it for me. That's beautiful. Morgan and I make a practice of, allowing our energy to be out there. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you guys have the harder, you know, road to hoe because men are dumb generally because we've been <laughs> taught that force and sex is like, you know, oh, that woman's friendly. That means she wants to sleep with me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's, there's a short circuit, unfortunately. And I, and we have friends that, you know, beautiful f female friends that are dealing with just garbage fucking dudes mm -hmm. who can't, they, they don't understand the subtleties of, that energy. And so the smile, the look, the friendliness, even just the politeness turns into something wrong in those guys' brains. Mm -hmm. But if a woman like you can hold her energy, allow herself to be attractive, allow that erotic energy to be seen, allow it to, there's a little bit of an exchange going on and yet you retain your power. Mm -hmm. And I, Morgan, I love doing that when we walk out, when we're yeah. alone and we come home and we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, last summer I was dropping my son off at the skate park next door. There's a bar. People were sitting outside. I was feeling it that day. I had my cool glasses on. My hair looked great. And some young woman like yells at me. Hey, daddy. Oh. And, <laughs> and I was like, 
Fuck like, yes. yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ron won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I, you know, like I called Morgan. I was like, you, this you was so You will never great. believe what this, just happened. Yeah. yeah. It was wonderful. And yeah. that is, it, it becomes a, um, just a way to increase my, you know, my own self-esteem. Come on now, yeah. right? Well, and like that speaks feels- to your, that goes into your own relationship and speaks to the sacredness and the safety and the security that you've created in the container of your own relationship. Because mm-hmm. I find nothing sexier than another woman being attracted to my partner. Like that's mm-hmm. just, we're primarily kind of wired that way where it's like, right. no, I got him, you know, like mm-hmm. everyone wants him, but I got him. Like that's a yeah. normal thing to feel. And now, you know, if a hoe gets disrespectful, I'm gonna take her down and pull her hair. Like that's gonna happen. <laughs> but you know, most of the time what happens is kind of like you're talking about, we're standing at a bar and we're out yeah. with friends. And so maybe there's three people between Mike and I, we're not together. Right. And I can see a, a woman approach him from afar mm-hmm. and she comes up and she is doing all the things. There's like subtle little hair flip and yeah. she's like commenting on his tattoo. Ooh, like, what is that? Where is yeah. that from? And I know exactly what's happening and he knows what's happening. And it's fun because he is friendly and open and will talk to anyone. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. and he'll explain. He's like, it's where I met my wife, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll like kind of throw down to me down the bar and she'll turn to see what he's pointing at. And I just wink at her. <laughs> and it's, and it's wonderful. Like he feels great and validated mm-hmm. because an attractive woman came up to him and was putting the moves on. And I totally. feel awesome because he, you know, it doesn't make me feel threatened in any way that yeah. someone else finds my partner attractive. Of course they do. I find yeah. him attractive. So, yeah. but he also doesn't have this energy that is inviting inappropriate you know, stuff. So yeah. I just, I think it's really beautiful to have that kind of security in your relationship where you can encourage erotic energy to be free flowing because that's mm-hmm. going to only benefit those of you who are in partnership. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Like what's appropriate and inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's for you guys to decide together. hundred percent. And that's for you to unhook from your cultural experience mm-hmm. and for you to decide what's dignifying mm-hmm. for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. for the person giving you the energy for you giving the person the energy back for you guys as a couple, because you're, you're individuals and then you're mm-hmm. this unit together and what's safe and what is respectful. Mm-hmm. And that might be different levels for other people. I'm not, I'm not, you know, necessarily suggesting physical contact or any of those things, but it's like, what if, if someone did hug play, you? Right. Yeah. That's if that's right. in play for you, that's okay. Yeah. Like I know couples who have an agreement in their partnership where touching is allowed, where, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's within respectful communication of yeah. the partnership where it's like, I am feeling attracted to this person. I would like to act on it. And the person mm-hmm. grants, grants exactly. access. And the person says, yes, that's fine with me because it's erotic for everyone involved. Yeah. And, you know, those, those rules differ as to what it turns into, how far the interaction goes and it's no one's business, but your own, what that yep. is. So I appreciate yep. that you brought that up, Ron, because I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, what is, what I consider appropriate for my husband and I to yeah. be appropriate for everyone else. Like you guys get to decide what that is. That's exactly right. Someone asked me the other day, like, well, what are the rules? I was like, whatever, like make them up. You They're guys your get rules. to decide as long They're as you're both you. agreed. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I, and I, can't emphasize enough the need for dignity, not only for yourself, but for others outside mm-hmm. of your uh, yourself, because no one mm-hmm. deserves to be objectified unless they're asking, unless right. that's part of the unless, fun play, yeah. <laughs> right? They're like, excuse me, I would like to be objectified <laughs> by you. <laughs> do you or that's do you exactly not accept? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's wonderful. Uh, that's I'm good. trying to, it's 
Great. No, this is great. And I could literally talk to you all day. I think I will um, end on this. And this was a question I got recently mm. from the partner of okay. someone who's worked with me from a client of mine. And they were saying that they, as a man, grew up in a house full of women mm. who were afraid of men because mm. of trauma, because of sexual sure. abuse. And this man had a sister who struggled with weight her whole life. And mm. she said, she verbalized multiple times that she would rather stay fat because mm. fat women get raped less, which is not actually true. But that wow. was a story she told herself that right, she was protecting right. herself armor. Yeah. from objectification by being yeah. not wanted, by being undesirable yeah. to men. Yeah. And he grew up listening to women who had that story he has done a lot of work himself. He is married to a woman who is trying to do this work, obviously, mm. and they have a little girl. Mm. And his question is around, how do I create an environment for her where she can be safe and free and not, mm. and not have that, not have that, yeah. like looking over her shoulder, not fearing mm. men and pillaging and rape. And like, yeah. how, how do I, as a man, what can I do? to support and uplift the women in my life and make mm. them feel safe and give them a sense of safety. What can I do? And I yeah. know this goes back to presence a lot, but just anything yeah. you have to offer uh, men who are yeah. worrying about that. Yeah. Well, let me first say that um, every woman in my family has been sexually assaulted. So I know this world and I was sexually assaulted as a child. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very common, unfortunately. Um, does that mean you have to shut off the erotic energy in your life? No, it doesn't. It means you get to go on the journey of reclaiming that for yourself as a dad of a daughter or kids at all. Like my worst fear is that, and yet I have to know that my kids are one day going to leave and they're going to go make their own decisions until then what I can do. And what I do with my daughter all the time and my son is talk about what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who respects you and what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who treats you bad and to demand more from relationships and what it looks like to be respected and what it looks like to be held, what it looks, and I, and I mean, energetically held. How do I explain that to an eight-year-old? <laughs> it's not okay Process. for a man to yell at you, right? Mm -hmm. It's not okay for a boy to hit you. It's not okay for a boy to grab you and kiss you. It has to be your decision. And, and Morgan, you know, Morgan, of course, like hardly wears clothes in our house. Yeah. And More which no one should, I agree right? with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're we, down with the naked house too. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were just in Scottsdale leading a retreat and, uh, or Morgan was, and then the kids and I flew down there and we're, we're at this great house with the pool. Morgan was naked most of the time. We were all naked at some point, most of the time. And, and so there's, the, there's already this thing where your body is okay. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in your body. There's no, there's dignity in your skin and in your bones and in your, and in the way that you show up in the world. Mm. So you unhook like a, that shame of nakedness, mm -hmm. right? Don't come in here. Don't see me. La, la, la. Yeah. Like that, that begins to plant the seed of something's wrong with bodies. Right. Well, our Something... nakedness has been perverted. It's been yeah. sexualized where our body and our experience in our body has no value or importance aside from sexual interaction. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, obviously that's just not true. So teaching kids really early on that their body is a safe place to be, that their body yeah. is a 
daily celebratory experience and that being in that body is, is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. My, my wife is masterful at, at self-care embodied Mm -hmm. self-care and and I love watching my daughter kind of mirror her in that Mm -hmm. process. And my, you know, my daughter's kind of obsessed with like her night routine, like Mm, taking care of her skin and brushing (laughs) her hair and all that stuff. It's very cute. And then I get to step in and say, in, in even, you know, she's got um, her best friend sometimes is just flat mean to her. Mm. And because they're You're like, that's also not okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly You don't have right. to put up with that shit from anybody, even people, especially people who say they're your friend. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's mm. something we talk about a lot is so, if someone says they like you and love you and then is also cruel to you, that's actually not love. Mm-hmm. That's not what that is. Because love is action. It's not just words. Yeah. Yeah. So we we talk about that a lot. And we also talk about that with my 13-year-old, how he treats her and how he treats women. Mm. Because the the automatic masculine reaction, it's just a nervous system response, is is power. I'm strong. I'm going to be powerful in this moment. I'm going to use my loud voice. I'm going to use my strength. And and we have to show him and teach him as the big brother. How you treat your little sister is how she is going to begin to feel like a man needs to treat her in the beginning because she loves you. She looks up to you. You're her big brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, my big brother. She, he doesn't hit her. But mm-hmm. you know, if he does, but also says he loves her, all of a sudden there's this connection of like, mm-hmm. oh, it's okay for someone who loves me to be violent with me. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly unhooking and detaching that cultural narrative from her story. We, we bring it up all the time. It is a conversation mm-hmm. that's a regular part of our parenting. The way people treat you is important. The way that you show up in the world is important. Taking shit from people is not okay Yeah. to be accepted. There is There are people who want to love you and be safe with you and you can go elsewhere rather than being stuck in yeah. some shitty relationship. But do Whether no it's harm, just take no shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Mm, that's so that's good. A good. That's a great question. I hope those guys... Uh, yeah, I feel like that's going to be really, really powerful for them. Yeah. And I, I know I said that was the last one. This mm. will actually be the last yeah, one you, okay, because yeah. you said something that I um, couldn't have known until you said it. And so mm. you shared that you have been, you were sexually assaulted as a child, yeah. Yeah. and that is something tragically that is way more common than anybody talks about is little yep. boys being yep. molested and sexually abused and raped yep. and having these horrible experiences which yep. is locked in an extra cone of shame for them where even yeah. though they were children and they were yeah. vulnerable because you are male like it's yep. not strong it's yep. not okay to to share about that it's not as yeah. often talked about and shared and you oh. talked about how you had to go through a process of reclaiming your own sexuality and your connection to it because of the abuse that you suffered. Mm. And it's very likely that because of the numbers that there are men listening to this show who have experienced sexual abuse of some sort, which has then drifted into the way they experience and initiate sex and sexuality in the world. And could, would you share, um, in as much or a little detail as you (laughs) care to just about some of the things that you had to do that you did to reclaim that sexuality and to come through that traumatic experience and be able to show up in the, in the deeply masculine whole healed way that you do now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say that here, the stats are terrible. 
They're yeah. awful. And, and I want to say that, that four out of five women have been, have received, been on the receiving end of some unwanted, undesirable sexual interaction. Sometimes it's violent. Sometimes it's not three out of five mm-hmm. men have. Yeah. So it's, it's wild. It's per- very, very pervasive. So if you've experienced that and you've never told anybody, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. You are not alone in this pain. You're not alone in the suffering and you're not alone in this story. And when, and I didn't tell anyone in my family that this has ha- it had happened to me. I was, um, I think the first time it happened was when I was seven or so. Mm. And it continued a few times until I was about nine or 10. And then thankfully something inside me snapped and I stood up for myself. I was like, this isn't going to happen anymore. I'm not okay with this. And it was, it was with somebody who was a little bit older than me, mm-hmm. about four or five years older than me. And what kept that person from getting violent with me? I don't know. Thank God it didn't. Um, but I held that shame by myself for a long time. And, that, and when I was holding that inside, what happened was it began to begin a fear in me that what if I do this to somebody? And that was mm. scared the shit out of me as I was, as I was growing, you know, it was probably in my early 20s. And I was really like, feeling this, not that I had a desire for somebody like a young person. It wasn't that it was, it was that person seemed normal. The Mm -hmm. person who harmed me seemed super normal. And why did they seem normal and then still did something terrible? What if, what if I, something snaps in my brain. So I was able to tell somebody in my early twenties for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that began to release the shame. So if you've never told anybody start there, find a safe person. I, and I think back to our, our, uh, our talk about sacred, sacred scripture, mm-hmm. you know, in the same book, James, um, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Mm-hmm. I see sin as something that, that harm that we participate in or it happens to us and we need to get it off our chest. We need to yeah. tell our story. And, and it begins with just telling our story somewhere. And thankfully, I started to tell my story enough because the more you're able to exercise that out verbally, the less power it has over, over, mm-hmm. over you. Men, if you've, if you've gone through anything like that, there are so many great support groups out there that are free, that are, that are accessible, especially in this time of COVID where those, those support groups that used to be in rooms are now available through, through Zoom and things like that. And I can almost guarantee that whatever your city you're in, there is some, some group out there that will be a great place for you to start. And, and as you know, the pain that we experience, if we receive it, we work on it, it can actually become our superpower, right? And our vulnerability and our, in our story can then do something really great, which is to help heal others. And I think that's part of why I have been put on earth. And if, and, and I think we all have the ability to heal others and to redeem other people just by beginning to tell our story. Mm. And I am getting chill bumps. You know, why you're, while you're saying that the whole mm. 
premise of this platform, the quote that started this podcast was a quote by Ann Voskamp, which is shame dies when stories are told mm. in safe spaces. Oh, and so, so this, this is meant to be a safe space for people to share their stories and experiences so that the people listening can feel more seen and, and heard and held by the experiences of others and, mm. and remove that sense of I'm the only one. Yeah. No, no one has dealt with what I've dealt with because the isolation yes, that keeps yes. us in the shame, that's, yes. that's how that works. And so I'm deeply grateful uh, to you and to your wife for the work that you guys are doing in the world and just for the healing that you're initiating through being so vulnerable and through mm. doing a shit ton of really hard, painful work yourself <laughs> to be able to get to this point where you can offer that to other people. And so mm. In closing, I would love for you to share just a little bit about what you're doing, the work you're doing with men, the group yeah. you have coming up, and anything yeah. else that you would like um, everyone to know about. Great, thank you. I I, I want to say, um, it might feel really hard, men, to go into this dark space. You've lived a life where you're either powerful or you're strong and that served you at some point. And it is time for you to go into the uncharted dark forest of your subconscious, of your mind, of your experience. And of course it starts with telling your story. And I also want to know, want you to know that it is scary. It is painful and it is dangerous. And all of those things precede incredible breakthrough and incredible healing and a new found joy and connection and acceptance with yourself and your partner. There is so much to be had by going through this healing journey. So I just wanna encourage men, wherever you are, push in. Uh, I use the hero's journey as the model for this with men I coach with. And my, the typical guy I works, work with is, has come out of this, uh, out of, uh, the evangelical world or the religious world. And generally speaking, their woman is out there in front in the process of deconstructing or reclaiming her sexuality or her power. And men are going, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. I don't know how to do this. And if they're wise and if they can feel it, they can begin to go on their own journey rather than trying to manage the situation or manage their, their spouse or something like that. So we work on what it's like to integrate the deep masculine and the deep feminine. We work on taking those stories that I was telling you earlier and breaking it down into actual tangible steps in your daily life. We look at what does that look like in the bedroom for you? What does that look like on day-to-day -day living for you? What does that look like even in waking up with your partner? How you make coffee, right? Morgan and I call foreplay core play and and what we mean by that is that foreplay actually starts the moment we wake up and the moment we start interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. And the way that we serve one another in the morning with a cup of coffee, the way that we welcome each other into a new day, and it goes on and on and on. And, <clears throat> and all I do for men is help them detach the shame detach the guilt, detach the fear, which are just stories playing in their head based on pain that they've actually experienced. And then it projects into some other scary situation. And like, will this ever work out? Am I ever gonna be okay? Is my wife ever gonna be okay? 
we unhook those things and begin to give them real tools on how to love themselves, accept themselves, change the way that they've been using power, accept empathy into their life, accept new listening skills, and allow their presence, the holding space, and all of those other great tools to create a new reality for themselves and their um, erotic reality with their spouse and the world. So uh, I do that one-on-one. I'm starting a group on the 25th of this month. We're going to kick it off with a virtual uh, men's retreat over a weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to talk about the age of addiction, which was, I think, where we're in. I think in the future, we're going to be known in this time as the age of addiction um, because there's, we live in a time where everything wants to hook you. Mm-hmm. Everything. We just trade one for the other. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about the masculine journey. Mm. You hear my yeah. baby in the background? I do. Sorry. It's okay. it's all right. <laughs> Babies are she's, fine. she's telling me, yeah, she's like, yeah, hey, it's, it's time. time to do it. So James has said that this is the time for those conversations to end. Uh, but Ron Cecil, thank you so mm. much for the embodiment of this work. I mean, I can, I can feel your presence even through the screen. And I think that the listeners are going to be able to feel that too. Mm. And I, so I, I think I told you in our, our kind of pre-chat that I have been, this conversation is so important and so needed and I've been waiting to have it. And I'm mm. just so grateful that I was able to have it with you. So thank you for bringing all of your experiences and your stories and um, just your compassion and your love for humanity and for men uh, into this work and into this conversation with me. It was my pleasure and anytime it was lovely and you're doing a wonderful thing for people and keep doing it. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated and entertained you or at the very least shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.